Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to be talking about supernatural things. For the next like three or four weeks, we're going to be talking about supernatural things. And when I talk, when I'm talking about supernatural things, you know, we think of like, you know, um, movies that, that like show things on camera that don't show up in real life. And like, like somebody thinks they see Jesus in a cloud or something or, you know, they, you know they, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about things that happen in your normal everyday life. You know, I was thinking back to quarantine and how boring that felt but all of the supernatural things that go on in our lives every day. So last week, we talked about how we are literally mutants. People who believe in Jesus, God changes us little by little every day. Tonight, what we're gonna talking, to be talking about is angels and demons. And in your tag, you were asked the question, what, uh, what do you think of when you think of angels and demons? And this is what I think of when I think of angels and demons. I don't know if this, this, brings, back any, you know, this brings back to me another thing that 2020 took away. Because we're supposed to be binging something this year and we're not going to, so we're not going to talk about that. Um, when I think of the Upside Down, I think about you know, those movies or TV shows that show like two different dimensions, angels and demons, and the angels are the good guys, the demons are the bad guys. If, if you guys in my tag, we're talking about how like when they think of angels and demons, they think of two people on like either side of the shoulder. The one has a little trident that pokes you in the butt and the other has, you know, the other's like an, an angelic, you know, the good guy, the bad guy. Um, what, what, is, what do we think of when we think of angels and demons? Tonight, what we're going to talk about is how, like, we actually have, as, as believers in Jesus, Christians have a supernatural enemy. We have an enemy, and every day, whether we realize it or not, when we wake up, this enemy has one job, like the whole you had one job thing. This enemy has one motive, and it's to, it's to steal our joy and to stop us from serving God. So as we're talking about angels and demons, and as we're specifically talking about our enemy, Satan, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to repeat this a few different times, is that every day's a battle, but Jesus has won the war. As we talk about this warfare that's going on in our hearts, remember that even though this should not, bring a, this should not scare us, this should be something that we should get so much confidence in knowing that Jesus won the victory for us won the war even though there's still ba a battle going on every day. So in 1 Peter chapter five, um, it's this really short set of verses. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show it to you. And if, if you brought a pen and, and, and paper, you, you're, you're the note takers, just you know, limber your fingers up. Just you know, do this little exercise here to limber your fingers up if you're a highlighter or you're a, you know, you're a note taker because there's, there's, there's a lot tonight. Um, but it's only three verses. You'd be surprised what all we find in these three verses. So 1 Peter chapter five, Starting verse eight, it says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you into eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I got my little stylus out here. We'll see if this works again. You know how, that, you know how sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but the first thing I want you to notice is that this book, First Peter, anybody want to guess who it was written by? Peter. Yeah, okay, yeah. You guys are really smart, you know, virtual students. Um, it was written by Peter, and it was written to a group. You learn it, the, the first chapter of Peter is written to this group of, of Christians who were all across the world, and they were experiencing a bad time, a bad year. You think we, they could empathize with us and we could sympathize with them, right? Experiencing a difficult year. They were experiencing suffering. And the whole theme of this 
First Peter is this, that you're suffering now, but Jesus is gonna come and you're gonna experience glory and peace with Jesus. So that's, that's the theme. And as we think about that theme, it talks about here, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. And this is what I really want us to kind of focus on is it says, your adversary, the, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we're gonna learn some things up tonight about our adversary, about the devil. So we're gonna kind of do, we're, we're gonna answer the question, who is, our, who is our, our adversary? Who is Satan? What does he do? And why does he do it? So we're gonna look at all three of those things. Who is he? Sounds like a, um, you're too young to remember Kindergarten Cop. Anybody watch Kindergarten Cop? Who is your daddy and what does he do? Too young to remember. I, I think Abby may remember. She's shaking her head. Um, so who is, who is our enemy? Who is this person that wakes up every morning and wants to defeat us? Well, you can see it right here. It says, your adversary, the devil. This answers the question, who? Your adversary, the devil. So I've got this picture up here of, of um, Conor McGregor. I like him because he's got a beard. Um, but have you ever watched when, he, when they do those, like, those promo you know, times where they take pictures and they just have to get in there, they get in each other's face but, you know, as they promo these fights and they just stare each other down. And sometimes you think it's staged, but sometimes you think it's not. You see here two adversaries. We see two adversaries. Do you know, there is, there, when we think of Satan, sometimes we just think of like, hey, a guy with a pitchfork. Um, sometimes we think of this like mythical thing that doesn't really exist. But what we learn in the Bible is that he is a real person and he, he, he cares about you, but not in a good way. He knows who you are. He doesn't like you because you're a child of God and that you are an image bearer of God. You're not a bear, like a like bearer. You're an image bearer of God. You were made in God's image. So when he sees you, First, he sees the image of the one that he rebelled against. And the second thing he sees, if you're a Christian, he sees a child of God. He sees somebody he can't quite get his finger on and he can't control the way he wants to. So we have an opponent, an adversary. That word, I'll go back here, that word for adversary, find another color, pink. It's my favorite color. Um, Adversary, what that word means, it's like a legal term that means like your prosecutor, the one who brings an accusation. Like, like when, when, when Wyatt arrests someone, it's up to the prosecutor to, make, to, 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 to prosecute that, that, that bad guy that Wyatt makes an arrest. And Satan is our prosecutor, meaning he makes accusations about us. You can read about this in Job, Revelation 12. Satan makes accusations about us to God. Some are true, some are not true. Makes accusations about us to God. So he is our adversary. He accuses us. That doesn't sound very... Um, Encouraging yet, but it's going to. I promise it's going to. Satan is our adversary. He's part of, he, he's part of, he's part of our enemy. He's part of that. You know, the, the Bible describes our enemy three ways. It talks about the world that's around us that's trying to influence us, our, our, our sin nature that's inside us trying to get us to do wrong, and Satan who, who's against us trying to accuse us. So Satan is our adversary. So what does that mean? Like how does he go against us? What, we, what you're gonna see here is that here's what Satan wants to do. Every day, Satan wants to steal your joy so that he can steal then, steal your worship, take away you serving God so that he can destroy your witness. Because here, here, here's, here's, the, here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, it was game over for Satan. He got an expiration date, like the milk that's in your fridge. You know what happens when you let milk stay in the fridge? Too? You ever take a gulp of milk that's been expired? 
Like there's an expiration date. Satan has an expiration date. One day Jesus, is, his feet are gonna hit the Mount of Olives in the Middle East. It's a real place. Jesus is gonna come back. He's gonna jump on that mountain. It's gonna turn into a valley. He's gonna walk into Jerusalem and establish his kingdom, his throne. And Satan is gonna be bound and put in what's called the abyss, which is not anywhere you wanna be, right? The abyss, like nobody wants to be in the abyss. So he has an expiration date. So his goal is to cause as much damage as he can during the time that he has left. So the good news is Jesus has defeated him. So who is he? He's our adversary. What does he do? Who is your daddy and what does he do? It says that he prowls around like a lion. That's the what does he do? So what I love is when, um, when the Bible gives us like a, a picture of something, I just totally nerd out on. So I've been like all lions all week, all the time. Any free moment I have, I'm Googling lions. I'm finding out everything there is to know about lions. And I found out some interesting things about lions. Um, can I tell you some cool things about lions? No. Can I? Am I allowed? Okay. So lions, contrary to, po to popular belief, are not very fast. They're not, they're not the fastest animals in, in, in the area. So most of the prey that they hunt are faster. They could run away from the lion. So the lion has to resort to deception. The lion stalks its prey. It hides. It, 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 it can actually mask its own scent, which would be very helpful for us sometimes if we could mask our own scents, because sometimes, you know, we get, you know. Um, the, the lion masks its own scent. It blends into its prey's natural surrounding. It hunts in in prides or your packs. Uh, so it, it, has a, it takes a team approach. So just like Satan disguises himself, it's not like one day you just wake up and there's Satan, you see Satan staring, standing over your bed saying, hello, my name is Satan, I am your adversary. I wanna give you a crappy day today. It, does, it doesn't work like that, right? Satan is deceptive. He also has, has people that do his work for him. And it's not your mom and it's not your ex-girlfriend. That's not what I'm talking about. We're actual demons. Yes, Satan led a revolt in heaven. Um, yeah, after God created the earth, God kicked them out of, of heaven. They're, they're here on earth. Their time is limited. Satan hunts in a team. They scout their prey during the day and attack at night when their prey is the most vulnerable. And Satan does that to us. Satan watches us. He knows our weaknesses. He, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute. He knows our weaknesses and he knows our vulnerabilities. And in 2020, Satan knows our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. 2020, I think for Satan, is like getting a fast pass at King's Island. You know, yeah, he, he's having all kinds of fun with all the things that we're dealing with right now. So, 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 so and here's how, they, here's how lions attack. They attack their prey by knocking their prey off balance and then killing them with a bite to the neck, getting the jugular vein. And this is how Satan works. He finds a way to knock you off balance. He makes your mom say something that just sends you into your crazy mode. Yeah, he makes you just so happen to come across that person that you hate with a passion and knocks you off balance and then he goes in for the kill to steal your joy and to get you to live in a way that does not honor God. But here's, the, here's the, what I did not know about lions is if the animal flees or puts up a fight, the lion will generally move on to the next victim and leave it alone. So resist, I mean, if you see a lion, I would run. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wouldn't try to fight back, but that's what I've been told. Um, and this is true about Satan that we're gonna learn is that, is that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to resist Satan and that he will flee. So, so we see that Satan prowls like a lion 
And every day he is watching us. He knows our vulnerabilities. And just like Satan knows our vulnerabilities, there are some common vulnerabilities that each of us have in our life. And the Bible actually talks about the vulnerabilities that we have to Satan when, and, and, and to, to the devil when he tries to, to steal our joy and destroy our worship to take away our witness. Here are some of the vulnerabilities that we see in the Bible. The first one is unforgiveness. Second Corinthians 2, uh, 10 and 11, it talks about forgiving people and what happens when you don't forgive people. And it says that when you don't forgive people, you are outwitted by Satan. Here's how this works. You wake up and it's a good day. You're a child of God, right? What could go wrong? You walk down the hallway at school or you walk into Target and remember to put your mask on. And you go around the aisle at Target after you look at Joanna Gaines, all her expensive stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and then you run into your ex-boyfriend. You're walking down the hall at school and right around the corner is that girl that ran her mouth about you and you just cannot stand what she said about you. You run into an ex-best friend who you told something like as a secret and they like ran their mouth and told everybody and their brother. And you, you, in your heart, you're holding this unforgiveness toward that person. So Satan knows, oh, if I can just kind of kind of work it out to her, they kind of like run into each other. I can totally screw up their day, steal their joy, and they won't be thinking about serving God. They won't be thinking about glorifying God, telling other people about God. All they'll be able to do is be locked in that prison of unforgiveness. It's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And for some of us in the room, Satan knows if he can just get us into a place that brings back that, 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 that grudge that we hold, he's got us. You didn't like that one, so I'll go to the next one. You may not like this one either. Another one of his favorite targets is anger. Um, you know, the Bible says it's, you, you can be angry. That's a place that we find ourselves sometimes. But here's what it says about ang anger. Ephesians 4, 6, it says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I mean, don't let it fester. You know what I mean by fester? Like you get ticked off and you just, instead of letting it go, you just, the whole rest of the day. You let it fester. And it says, when you let it fester, you give opportunity to the devil. You give opportunity to the devil. So one of the, the devil, I believe the devil's favorite targets is anger. The Bible says, James chapter one, verse 20 says that the anger of, or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Do we have any problems with anger in our culture right now? Outrage. I don't like you, Joey, so I'm gonna cancel you. <laughs> I don't like you, Brady. I'm gonna let everybody know what a terrible person you are on Twitter. You know, I'm just joking, these are great guys. Um, but we get so upset and we feel like we have to give vent to it. We sit on it. You know, you're never gonna, you know, uh, people are saying that we need to stay angry about injustice and we do need to focus on injustice. But if you're letting anger be in the driver's seat of your life, you're not gonna accomplish anything that glorifies God and Satan knows that. And he wants you to stay in the anger mode instead of the, let me work to glorify God through this mode. And some of us, we can go from zero to 60 in like 2.5 seconds. Some of us, there's one person that we know that can just get our, get our biscuits burning. You know what I mean? Anybody have, have there's somebody like that in your life. You, they, they, you, they, they don't even have to say anything. They can just look at you. It's a sibling. It's somebody at school. It's hopefully not a parent. But you know, they get your biscuits. I mean, your biscuits are burnt. That's one of Satan's favorite targets. The next one is doubt. One of Satan's first vulnerabilities is he saw Eve 
He knew in her heart she was doubting God. And it says the serpent, that was the devil, said to the woman, oh, you, you can do this thing that God told you to do. You won't die. God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like God. God just doesn't want you to be like him. God, God's afraid of you. And he plants that little seed of doubt in your mind. And some of us, we, doubt is a place we find ourselves sometimes. Yeah, I, I grew up, I went through doubts. I'm a youth pastor. I still struggle with doubt sometimes. It's, it's, not, it's not something you're gonna outgrow. It's a place you find yourself. But what you do with your doubt is very important. Has anybody ever read any books by C.S. Lewis? Anybody? C.S. Lewis wrote one um, that is called uh, The Screwtape. Anybody read The Screwtape Letters? Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's, it's like um, it's, it's Satan writing a letter to one of his you know, minions. Like, I don't know call, call minions, but yeah, that, that makes me think of uh, um, Despicable Me. Um, but yes, Satan writing a letter to somebody who would work for him. Here's what he wrote. Here's how he says, this is Satan's, yeah, this is how C.S. Lewis says, this is Satan's strategy to get people to stumble. He says this, keep his mind off Jesus. It doesn't matter what he thinks about, even good things. Just keep him from meditating on God's word and promises. Create skepticism regarding prayer because what is prayed for doesn't always happen. Satan loves it when he finds you in a place that says, I prayed for my grandma to get better and she passed away. You know, Satan loves to find you in a place where you read something in the Bible and you think, wait, if this is true, how can be this is true? How can this be true? And you think you may have found something that, that may be contradictory. And, and you'll find yourself in those places and that's when you dig in, that's when you reach out for help. And that's, but Satan wants to find you in that place and he wants to pounce on you because if you're, if you're struggling with doubt and you stay in that mode and you don't reach out for help, he can steal your joy, he can ruin your worship and devour your witness. The next place we find ourselves is pride. James 4, it talks about that God opposes the proud and in that same line of thought, it says resist the devil. So we, devil loves to attack us. When we, think of, when we think of pride, we think of some like pompous, arrogant tool that drives a big jacked up truck that cuts you off and flashes his brights at you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we, we think of a, you know, the, you know, this, this like, like bro wannabe frat boy who you know, walks around like this with his chicken legs and he only does back, you know, he only does a chest and biceps um, every day at the gym. That, that's what we think about when we think of pride. Here's, you know, pride is that, but most often in our life, pride is self-sufficiency. Pride is saying, I can do this homework if I just try as hard as I can and I don't need to rely on God. Pride is saying, instead of doing my devos, I really need to work on this project. So maybe if I have time for devos at the end of this project, I'll do it. But this project has to be turned in. And, and yeah, instead of asking God for help and spending time with God and asking for help, I'm just going to do it myself. Because I can do it. I just need the time to do it. Pride is self-sufficiency. And if Satan can get you in that mode thinking you can do anything... If you just try harder and forsake the things of God anymore, he's got you. And that's a really good way to steal your joy, ruin your worship, and destroy your witness because there are gonna be times where you try hardest and your darndest and you still don't get it done. Anybody ever find yourself like that? You spend all night working on that paper and it's still not done. Or you, did, you, you put hours and hours into this project and you didn't get the grade you thought you would. Satan would love for you to be in the target of self-sufficiency. I worked really hard on coming up with a name for this one, and this, I, I still don't know if this is the right one. Um, instant gratification. First Peter, same book that we're in. First Peter chapter two says this. I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, 
which wage war against your soul. That's instant gratification. That, it's, it's this line of thought. If it feels good, do it. If it's entertaining, watch it. If it's got a catchy tune, listen to it. If it tastes good, eat it. And that's not necessarily bad. I like good food and I like good movies and I like good music. But when we fill our minds and fill our bodies with things that don't honor God and all we're doing is just trying to get that instant gratification, you see what it does? It says it wages war against your soul. You can scroll through, and I, April, you can scroll through TikTok for hours. How many of those tunes on TikTok are glorifying to God, and how many of those are waging war against your soul? Some of us may have, our souls may have some black eyes from the things that we've seen through the media and the things that we've heard that don't honor God. And we wonder why we feel like we can't worship God or we can't live for God. Next one, you didn't like that one, so I'll go to the next one. Everybody likes to talk about this one, drama. Anybody got drama issues in their life? Anybody got drama issues with somebody here and you wanna talk about it? Probably not. We definitely don't wanna start that, right? Uh, so you point to the most dramatic person in the room. No, don't do that, I was joking. You're all pointing to your brothers and sisters, and that's not cool. Um, so, but read this. James chapter four says this. We were in there before. It says, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, like a, it's, it's like a rhetorical question. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Or the 2020 version is, what's causing all this drama? It's the passions at war within you. It's your old sin nature. It's your flesh. It's the enemy. When we allow ourselves to be overtaken by Satan, a sure sign is that we have conflict in our life. And I believe the two places that Satan wants to see conflict the most are, are, is in our family at home and in our church family. If Satan can get you sideways at home and he can get you sideways with the family of God, you've got nobody to reach out to. One of his favorite targets is drama. So, so there are other areas that we find ourselves, other places we find ourselves, but these are the most common. These are the ones that we can find in the Bible that are specifically attached to Satan. So what does Satan do when he finds us in those places? How does he pounce? Remember, we talked about who is Satan, who is your daddy, and what does he do? You know, we talked about Satan. Who is he? It says he's our adversary. What does he do? He prowls. And why does he do this? It says he's seeking someone to devour like I said, Satan wants to do what? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to ruin your worship and destroy your witness to a lost and dying world. And this is what the line, remember I said it goes for the jugular? This is, this is what Satan wants to do to you in your life and he, he wants to do it every day. And you know what it's like to be at the end of the day and you feel that defeat. You feel, this, may, this, may be, this may be you tonight. Satan got a hold of you and you ran into that person you can't stand or you got ticked off or you, you found yourself in a prideful place. Or you, you, he wants to devour you, but here's the good news. Every day is a battle, but Jesus has won the war. So what, how, how do we finish this off? I love to give you application points and I got time to do it, so I'm, I'm so excited. How do we, how do we win, this, win this battle? Jesus has won the war. We're, we're fighting the battle, and you, how do we do this? I've got four R words tonight. I, every week, I start by saying, I want to make the application points F words. I couldn't find any F words that would work. 
Um, so there are words tonight. So here's four R words. If you wanna, and I called it this, I call, daily defeating the devouring devil. How's that for alliteration? There's a lot of D words. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're gonna feed my pride and that's one of Satan's areas. So don't do that. Don't clap for me. Um, so the first one is respect the importance of the battle. Look at what it says. It says in verse, um, in verse eight, it says, be sober-minded. That doesn't necessarily just mean don't get drunk. I mean, it means that too. Um, but what, what it means is you gotta wake up being serious about the struggle that's going on that we don't even see. You wake up and you just think, you know, and, and your first thought is I need to find something to wear and something to eat and get to school. There's more to it than that. You, we gotta wake up every day, first realizing that Jesus won the war and submitting to him, but second, realizing that Every day, Satan wants to get you sideways. Satan wants to mess you up, steal your joy, um, destroy your worship, and ruin your witness. So we need to respect the importance of the battle. We, we, we need to realize what's going on. Um, sometimes I just put myself like a little reminder that comes up on my phone because I wake up at 6.10. I like waking up at weird times. It was like 5.53. Anybody else set your alarm for weird times? Hey, okay, not just me, good. So set, set a reminder. Remind yourself of the importance of the battle. We can't be caught off guard. The next one is to recognize the enemy before he attacks. Remember we talked about how Satan is, he, 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 he hides he doesn't just walk up and say, hello, my name is the devil. I'm your adversary. I would like to screw your life up today. You know, he doesn't work that way. He's hiding. So we need to recognize the enemy before he attacks. When we get into one of those six areas that I mentioned, pride and unforgiveness and, 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 and living by feeling, we need to fight. When we're getting into those areas, we, we need to say like, you know, you, you know, stop, wait a minute, or stop hammer time or whatever you want to say, and Realize, okay, I'm in a vulnerable place right now. What is Satan trying to do in my life right now so that we can realize he's, he, he, before he attacks? It says here, it says, be sober-minded, and then it says, be watchful. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, but we also need to be aware of when, Satan, when and where Satan could attack us. The next thing is we need to resist the enemy. I'd put it this way. You'll have to contextualize it if you're a female. Uh, but I put resist the enemy with doctrine and dudes. I'll explain what I mean by that. Verse nine, it says, resist him. Remember how the lion, if you resist or you run, it, it, it'll move on to the next target. God tells us to resist the enemy. It's different than the passions of our, our, our flesh. It says, it says, flee sexual immorality. You know, God gives a big F word when it comes to sex. It says, flee your sexual immorality. But when it comes to Satan, it says, resist. Resist the enemy. And how? It says, firm in your faith. You gotta know what God says. You gotta be able to spot the untruth that Satan's trying to put in your mind. It says resist the enemy. It says with um, firm in your faith. And then it says knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood. That means knowing that you're not the only one struggling with this. Look to the other person and say, I have to deal with this too. Look to the person next to you and say, I gotta deal with this too. Yeah, so... The doctrine part is knowing what God says. The dude, or I guess the dudette part, is that you gotta connect with other Christians. You gotta connect with other Christians to build each other up in the faith. So if you got a dude or a dudette in the room, give them a holy weenus bump. If you got a dude or a dudette in there, yeah. Respect or resist the enemy with doctrine and dudes. Ah, oh, very nice, very nice. Here's the last one, and we're gonna pray and get out of here. Re I had, to, I had to put this one in here. Refuel. Ha. 
Re, uh, <laughs> refuel daily through worship. It's in the Bible. I didn't just put refuel for It's in the Bible. Look, it says, after you've suffered a little while, you know, this is a battle, the God of all grace who's called you into eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then in verse 11, I'll show that, I'll, I'll put it back on the screen so you can see. In verse 11, Benjamin will like this. It's a big theological term. Um, verse 11 is what's called a, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this, it's called a doxology. That's a really fancy way for saying when praise or worship is found in Scripture. Um, you see that the final thing is there's worship. We gotta, and worship doesn't always mean that you gotta, on the way to school, you turn on some, you know, turn on some Lecrae or, you know, or, or, or turn on some like Jeremy Camp or something, just be singing, ah, you know, the whole way into school. Yeah, that might be weird. People may look at you weird when you get out of your car. What that means is worship is worth-ship. It means live a life that declares that God is worthy. You know, find a time to praise him, find a way to praise him. If Satan wants to steal your joy, you know what the antidote to that is? It's praise. So the fi- that was the final thing. If you didn't get it, I'll bring it back up. It, the final R word is refuel daily through worship. So there's an enemy out there that wants to destroy your joy, kill your worship, and destroy your witness. But... Jesus has won the war. And when we do these things that are literally right out of the Bible, what God tells us to do, we can find victory. So we're gonna pray and get out of here. Um, but before we pray, um, we always, for those of you who haven't been to Refuel before or haven't been since we, you know, we used to put somebody in the middle and all gather around and put our hands on them and pray for them. That was called like beautiful and sentimental seven months ago. Now it's called super spreader. Um, so what we do now is we put somebody right here and we pray for them from our seats. So what I would like to do is pray for the Browns tonight. Uh, so if Cora and Stonewall and Marshall and Tracker would come up here, if it's not too weird, we wanna pray for you. We are like, isn't it exciting? They went to Hawaii for what? Two, was it two years, year and a half? Year? It felt longer because we miss you guys so much. Come up here, stand up here in the lights. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna pray for them um, and make sure to, well, here's what I've always told, what I've told you guys and parents. Once you're in the parking lot, you're not under my control. So you can give them a hug in the parking lot if they're okay with it and your parents are okay with it. Um, but um, uh, we want to we pray for them um, as they're going to be going back to Oklahoma. We want to pray that God just like forces them to come back here forever. No, uh, no we want to pray that God blesses their lives and is with us. So let's, let's all bow our heads together and let's pray for, uh, for Cora, for Stonewall, for Marshall, and for Tracker. Um, God, thank you uh, for bringing our friends back uh, tonight. Um, even, even just for a night, it has been such a, uh, uh, such a life-giving thing um, having them back with us. Uh, God, they're, they're all so full, of, uh, so full of your joy. And I, I know for the past year, or so, it it's, it's, can't have been easy on them. Um, moving and then moving again, and, and, and we have missed them so much, and I, I know they've missed us. So God, thank you for this night. Um, instead of talking about how much we have missed them, God, I'm just so thankful for this night uh, that we get to see them and, and we get to love on them and they get to be a part of us um, in person 
this evening. And God, I pray that as, as they go back to Oklahoma, God, thank you that uh, even though we have some distance between us, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we can pray for each other and we can encourage each other. And so God, I pray that you will put their, your, hands, your hand on each of their lives uh, for Cora for Stonewall, for Marshall, and for Tracker. God, I pray that you'll use each of them in a big way um, to make a big impact for Jesus um, wherever they end up, wherever they end up doing with their lives. Um, God, thank you for bringing them back to us tonight. Uh, I pray that you'll bring them back to us again and again, and that this, this will be a continual thing that we'll be able to see them and interact with them. Um, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the victory that you give us through Jesus. Um, thank you that even though the battle rages every day, we know that you have won the war, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.